Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap here for the Fightful.com podcast, Friday edition with Shane Helms, as always. You know him from WCW. You know him from WWE. Now you know him from TNA, and he is one devious son of a bitch. Now the manager of an X-Division champion, Shane. Two-time manager of an X-Division champion. Mm. Let's just clarify that. But, mm. but let's start this off like we did last week with the acknowledgement of the T-shirt. T-shirt of the week this week, macho man. I got the Cassius uh, Clay going, or the Muhammad Cassius Ali going. Clay. It was hard to top Bob Ross from last week, so I figured I had to yeah. go deep with Macho. So, yeah. But, yeah, I took my boy Trevor Lee once again to the X Division Championship, bringing violence to that division, which is which it needs something. So. Well, we're, we're going to talk yeah. about some of the changes in TNA as well. But uh, this week we're going to do a mailbag episode. We, we usually try to tackle a topic each week. But I felt like there were a couple of things – currently that Shane could lend some expertise to, so we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but first, we'll talk about some of these changes to TNA Wrestling. Uh, Scott Demore's back. We're seeing the mm-hmm. the influence of, of Jeff Jarrett being back, and I, I thought that when Scott was around and he was in control of the, the knockouts division, things were a lot of fun back then. What's your reaction to Scott Demore coming back? Uh, I've worked with Scott. Uh, the only time I actually ever did anything with Scott was in the, the short uh, Global Force uh, storyline that we had in TNA. And actually, on his shows, and I forget the name of the company, it's up north, and uh, I really like what he was doing, you know. So, I mean, my uh, my experience with, with uh, Scott's very short, very small, but it's, uh, it's you know, all been positive and good. So, uh you know, I can't really judge people until I actually work with them. I like him as a person, but I've never worked with him before. I mean, and the same thing I guess I could say for Jeff. You know, Jeff's been a, a friend of mine for years. I've known him since WCW, but I've never, like, worked uh, with him in a boss, you know, a type scenario. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing where we're going with this. You look back at the first time I was exposed to Scott Demore was was TNA Wrestling, I think, in 03 or 04. He was the manager. Now, when, of, you, now when you say exposed, uh, you ah, Jesus. Shane. I got to keep this shit on the up and up, man. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. It was Team Canada in 2004, and you had, like, Teddy Hart, who is perhaps the craziest fucking guy I've ever interviewed in my life. Uh, Bobby Roode 
we see where he's at now. Eric Young, we see where he's at now. Petey Williams had a fantastic run. Like, I love Petey Williams in that TNA X division. Uh, Tyson Dukes, I think it was. He was in the Cruiserweight Classic. There were a lot of names that came out of that. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what role he'll have there. I, I've heard he might be on the creative team. That remains to be seen. But the Fight Network, who I would imagine isn't going to feed bad news about TNA, considering they sort of owned a damn company, revealed that well, he was yeah, one, one would hope not. Yeah, because so when they publish a news story, I'm like, well, I think we can go on this. I think we can run with this info. Apparently, he was instrumental in getting this Pro Wrestling Noah partnership going on. What are your feelings on the Pro Wrestling Noah partnership and uh, some TNA guys maybe appearing next month? Uh, I think that's great. I mean, I think it's very important to have relationships with other companies. It's something I pushed for from my very first meeting with TNA Creative. You know, I've had ideas about using other companies to, you know, we're really stuck in this mindset that, Every company has to be just their own guys on, on the show. We're really stuck in that. We've built this wall around ourselves. And um, I just had this idea about what if there was a wrestling show that was about all of wrestling, you know? And if you can't do the whole show like that, maybe just a segment. You know, when I watch ESPN, I don't watch it for just one sport. And even if it was about one sport, I wouldn't watch it for just one team. You watch you it know? for the spelling bee. I do watch it for the spelling bee. That's, uh, that does humble me a little bit. You know, if I ever think I'm <laughs> feeling a little superior intellectually, I go watch that and I just take my ass back in my room and cry. But, um, you know, but I mean, especially with, with how the Internet's opened everybody's eyes to all the different talents all over the world. Like we really don't have to be handcuffed and in, in placed upon ourselves. So I've always pushed for that. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of this, uh, I don't know a lot of guys from Noah other than the Killer Elite Squad. I know them. Uh, actually got to work with them. Me and Colt Cabana worked those guys, uh, Lance Hoyt, Davey Boy Jr. Well, I knew Davey Boy from uh, WWE. I knew Lance from WWE. I worked them both there as well. So uh, those are two guys I would like to see come do some stuff in TNA. Of course, Lance has been there before, but uh, I think that's an exciting proposition. He's a, he's a lot better now than he's ever been. And not saying he wasn't that good before, but he's definitely improved and Davy Boy's great, so that that would be something cool. Well, I think they're in New Japan now. Uh, I think they got they're not in the way at all. Then they're still I think, not. I think they got pulled. Uh, I think New Japan pulled them. So when did this happen? See, what, I, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Then. Well, this just happened like a month ago. This is just like New Japan pulled a lot of their guys, and they had Suzuki Gun go into New Japan, and now uh, Minoru Suzuki is a top New Japan guy. So they, they pulled and, and that hurt, but I like I like the idea of of this. There's Nakajima, there's Shizaki. There's a lot of good talent in Noah still. So I, I'm very interested to see how that goes. There are also a couple things now, Shane. I don't know the extent. Actually, it's one of the questions: the extent of injuries in the ring. But we got a couple of interesting injury situations here. Page has had neck surgery a few months ago. What, and what, Alberta, what kind? You know what kind? She hasn't revealed what kind. But uh, Alberto Del Rio said it was three months ago, and she'll be out until April, May, June. So that the kind remains to be seen. Now, she's out there doing jujitsu practice with Alberto, so 
if it was three months ago and she's doing that, it wasn't too bad. He was on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, and he's the president of Combate Americas. And he said, mm-hmm. yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind her doing some MMA in the future. And when I, when I tweeted out that he said that, man, the reaction I got was insane. Like people acting like he was forcing her to do it, like she would never be <laughs> able to do it. Like, Why do they think he's forcing her to do it? I don't know. It's oh, okay. Weird. You're saying they just interpreted your tweet like that? Yeah. Like, cause, you cause, go fight MMA woman or I beat your ass. He did. No, the way I the way the way I worded it, I said he's he's pushing her into MMA a little bit, but it wasn't like shoving her, like maybe nudging her in the direction of it. And it seems like something she's interested in based on her tweets. You've had a broken neck. Mm-hmm. You've had surgically repaired neck. How old were you when that happened? Uh, that was in how old am I now? I'm forty two now. I'll be forty three. Thirty one this year. And so it happened uh, in 2008. Was that when I had it? Shit, I can't remember. So you were in your... 2008, yeah, I was... Mid-30s. 30, mid-30s. Yeah, mid-30s. That's something a lot of people, I, I think... Some, I just did some terrible math. So you, you jinxed me by saying I was bringing my expert opinion earlier. <laughs> so now I'm already fucking up. I can't even do simple math. What was bumping yeah, like after was, that for you? just as terrible as it was bumping bumping's never good yeah like there's this you know when you're young you just don't feel it as much you know it's it's like every tackle in football hurts you whether you actually acknowledge the pain or not your body's going through some shit that it shouldn't be going through so uh i mean it took more of a toll obviously after the spinal fusion you know uh with nerve damage nerves heal slower than anything in the body so um it was definitely rougher, but you know, I remembered uh, I was doing jujitsu afterward too, and there, there wasn't a lot of impact with that at all. You know, the takedowns in jujitsu aren't slams, not generally, unless you just get fucked up. And I wouldn't get fucked up. You know, I, I might get like judo throw, might be the worst type of uh, thing you would get a judo type throw, but um, a, a lot of jujitsu takedowns are very similar to wrestling takedowns and like single leg, double leg type things. Real impact on my neck. Actually, it was one of the. <laughs> It was helping cardio-wise because it wear you out cardio-wise, but very little impact on your body in, in relation to bumping. And a lot of judo throws, at least in my experience, you land you land on almost everything but your neck. You land on your hips, you land on your knees, yeah. you land on your elbows. Um, also, I think a thing that a lot of people are overlooking, there, there are several things. One, Combate Americas ain't the UFC. <laughs> they can throw her in there against, like I said, a soccer mom. And she may be able to just beat the living shit out of them. Also, she's 24 years old. Oh, uh, yeah. 24 years old. That That's a thing. And people were like, well, MMA on that neck? And I'm like, you guys think that bumping four nights a week is a lot better? I don't know. Physically, uh, the physical toll of pro wrestling uh, would exceeds MMA. You know? Uh, yeah. It just does. I think you get a lot more. You probably get a lot more cuts. You get a lot more superficial cuts in MMA. Um but yet, like I said, that's just surface stuff that you can take care of. Uh, the, the the brain injuries, I think, uh, there's no way to say which one's worse because bumping, having your brain bouncing around in your head, you know, how does that compare to getting punched in the head? Um, I don't know if there's one one that's worse than the other, but as far as the rest of your body, pro wrestling by far gets it worse. There are some things that, like, I'll see the Performance Center and several schools doing. Like, they'll have them wear the headgear when they bump now. Just mm-hmm. you know, to prevent any 
trauma to the back of the head. Some people wear mouth guards uh, when they train to maybe kind of lessen that impact. Uh, so, I mean, there are some steps that, that are being taken. Back to well, the, I know in the beginning, when you start in the beginning, when you start bumping, you get a, headaches come a lot more frequently. Uh, and then you kind of, your body kind of, whether it's a defense mechanism, whether it's something you just get used to, uh, they'll go away uh, a, a little bit. So maybe the head gives for that. But that's the same thing in boxing. You know, uh, I don't know if I can't remember if you told me you boxed at all, but you know, you boxing like the the first you know month or so, it's just a headache every night. You know, I mean, anytime you're getting punched in the head, you know. But after a while, you kind of get numb numb to it a little bit. But it's not like it's not doing the damage. But for some reason, your body just kind of get conditioned. Yeah. We also have Seth Rollins in WWE. He has a knee injury. What kind of knee injuries have you incurred in your career? Um, I, I had a tiny one in WWE for a little while. Didn't require require surgery. I only had the only surgery I ever had came in my 25th year uh, to an ACL on my right side, Ooh. and that was really because I was over overcompensating. You know, I had the uh, ankle fusion on my left. And so I was just kind of overusing my right side a lot and just, you know, like I said, 25 years in the game, it finally said, fuck it. And uh, I had a complete tear in my ACL. And that was really tough to come back from. And I know uh, that's what Seth Rollins had initially. Is it the same knee? Yeah, it's the same knee. Uh, MCL tear, we hear. Now, that's anywhere between two to eight weeks. What I've been told is they're optimistic he'll be back for WrestleMania, but they don't want to go and promote it one week after he gets that done because in three weeks he could he could step on a blade of grass that doesn't lay the right way, and his knees messed up again. You never know. Yeah, that's a that's a delicate situation. I mean, uh, you got to be careful. Cruz, stuff. The example I keep bringing up. He came back too early and stuff, and too like Seth Rollins does a lot of stuff. Uh, well, at least he used to coming off the top where he lands on his feet. And just takes a lot of the shock right on his knees. So um, you're going to have to get away from that. You know, that stuff just tears your knees up. I'll see guys, like I see guys working out in TNA, like before the show. And they're uh, out there doing all this stuff, you know, and either taking bumps or doing flips and landing. And I'm like, y'all need to, you know, it is the old vet, which no young guys ever listen to. I was a young guy. I didn't listen in either. Stand it a little bit more now, but I'm like, I'm telling you, this is hurting your knees, whether you feel it or not, it's hurting your knees. You know, that bump card thing, that's a great metaphor. There is going to be one day when your body says, fuck it, I've had enough of this. And whatever it is, your knees, your back. So don't be doing that shit unnecessarily. So he's going to have to, uh, he's going to, have to smarten up about uh, some of the stuff that he does. We're going to get into some of the questions that we have. Uh, I think we'll do this probably once a month. We will just collect questions and answer almost anything goes. Obviously, nothing that's going to get people in deep shit. But uh, actually, the first question, somebody says, Sean and Shane, what are your worst injuries in the ring? I've only had like two dozen matches. All my injuries are from MMA. But Shane, you've had well, probably thousands. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I get the, the neck fusion is, is the worst. Uh, the couple of really bad nose breaks that I had, you know, I know some people, they hear a nose break. They don't think – because you can bust your nose, and that's kind of technically breaking your nose. But mm-hmm. mine were pretty <laughs> pretty traumatic. So uh, I think I was telling you I, I had to blow my nose like this. Oh. Um, you know, but the, the uh, spinal fusion was, was the worst. But 
long term, you know what it does to your brain and stuff like that. My brain in there bouncing around. Uh, long term, that that might be the worst, but it's hard to tell. You know, I'm 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 still pretty functional at this point in my life. So, how'd you break your nose in the ring? Uh, well, well, the thing is, I never broke it. It was broken for me as a gift. Yeah. Uh, the first time was actually Shannon Moore. Uh, it's a Ooh. pretty funny story. We were three count in WCW, and he was doing a moonsault to the floor on a group of guys, and I was down there to help base uh, catch. And his he didn't have on knee pads, and his skinny-ass little knee went right through my hands and hit me right in the face. Do I remember you wearing a face mask for a little while? Yeah, in WCW, and that's why. Yeah. And uh, – I was like, man, and, it, and I never, you know, it, it hurt bad. It was one that hurt bad. Like, I, I've been tagged before, and it didn't hurt like that. So that one hurt pretty bad. And I looked up at Evan. I go, I think I broke my nose. And Evan does this, like, Kramer face. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, gee, thanks, jackass. And I pulled my hair down because at the time, WCW had a policy. Uh, they couldn't show blood on TV or anything like that. They would pan the camera away real far. Like, they'd shoot from the cheap seats on an iPhone or something, you know. And so I remember I pulled my hair down and finished the match. I had to go in there and do something too, take more bumps, and my face is all jacked up. Um, but yeah, I ended up wearing that a uh, while. One of those, uh, I forget what fiberglass type things. The Rip I Hamilton do, face mask. Yeah, I wanted to do a gimmick where my face was insured by Lords of London, and so anybody would get in trouble if they punched me. And that was gonna, you know, I wanted to do that, and I wanted to get Evan and Shannon to get in on it, but we. Uh, you know, it's one of those ideas the creative didn't come up with it, so we can't use it. Um, let me see. The uh, I know I broke it again at some point. Uh, I forget who did it. The worst one though was Paul London. He uh, did a. We were in Australia, and he did a went to do a leg drop and tried to do, add some kind of silly pike into it or some shit, and just landed right on my damn face. Ooh, a leg drop of all moves. Yeah, fucking leg drop. And, um, and it was, man, it was, I was just bleeding all over the place. I was like, you motherfucker. And I was like yelling my ass off too. Not not in pain. I was I was angry about this because, like, I was a cruiserweight champ. You know, we had some stuff coming up for Mania, and I just knew that this had fucked up something. Right away, I knew that this was bad. And, uh, too, like, uh, you know, that, like I said, I miss Mania for all of that. And, uh, so, That's rough. But I had, I had to, uh, there was a third one. I can't even remember how I did the third one, but uh, that that one with uh, London was the worst one. Uh, they heard, you know, the office heard that I broke my nose, so they booked me to wrestle Chris Benoit because, like oh, I said fantastic. earlier, earlier, you know, you find out, you know, nose break, you don't think it's that bad. You think it just be swole a little bit. And I got the TV, and Stephanie McMahon gave me the same look that Evan Courageous did. She's like, like that. She's like, oh well, we, we might, would too, like a. Uh, my ears stuffed, and no, no, no. I had to get my sinuses stuffed with all this shit. And I'm flying back from Australia. We did from Australia to LA, LA to Dallas, Dallas to Mobile, Alabama. Mobile is where TV's at. And every plane when I was on got smaller, and the pressure was just worse. So my head was swollen up so big, and you couldn't like pop your ears because my nose was all jacked up. And so I had these things jammed in my ears, up my nose. It was fucking terrible. And I get the TV and like. Like, I know surgery's in my future. Like, there's no way I cannot have surgery. And ended up, one side ended up being 90% collapsed. That's how bad it was. Oh. And uh, But like I said, they had me booked to, to work Benoit that night. And uh, Stephanie actually suggested that we just scratch it. And I was like, no, you know, it ain't like it could get too much worse. 
you know, I'll get through tonight and let me go home. And I was like, you know, that, that's that old dumbass wrestler mentality. Let's use it. Let's use my personal trauma to tell a good story, to tell a good wrestling story that fucking nobody's really going to appreciate in the long run, but let's do it anyway. So, and then Chris didn't want to do nah, the it's all cross work. Face. That's what they'll yeah, say. Yeah, Chris didn't want to do the cross face. They were going to finish me with the headbutt. Yeah. The diving headbutt. And I was like, man, if you don't do the fucking cross face, you're going to look like a pussy. It's going to hurt no matter what. Just do the fucking thing. And so How'd that feel? It fucking hurt. <laughs> but, you know, when we went out there, I was like, man, you know, just do it. We'll get through it. I know it's coming. You know, fuck it. We'll be fine. And uh, we did it. And uh, there you go. Has anyone ever shot on you in the ring or tried to shoot on you in the ring? Oh, hell yeah. When I was coming up, I, I mean, my first match was in 1991, and there's no cruiserweight division at all. It's non-existent, you know. They have they would have like junior heavyweights, but those guys were all pretty big too. Uh, so I mean, I'm you talking about? I was one thirty, one forty, really small kid at the time, and uh, just so many of the big guys didn't want to work at all, and it, really that big man mentality. And uh, yeah, a lot of guys would try to rough me up. Ended up in a lot of fights, quite you know more than just a few. Where I would have to go in there, and the guys was bullying me, so I'd punch them in the damn face, and then we're all to the races. Um. But I always did pretty well, you know, and I just built up a reputation, you know, as far as uh, <clears throat> this kid's a scrapper. He's going to fight back. So, you know, I mean, you just – is a real bully mentality. And, you know, I think we've discussed uh, on here before, I had that mentality that, you know, you, you can bully me if you want, but I, I'm coming back. I'm going to fight, and we'll figure this shit out one way or another. But, you know, I ain't going to let you walk all over me. So, yeah, it was really tough my earlier years. I mean, there's no Hardy Boys around. There's no Ray Mysterios. You know, fucking Brian Pillman was the light heavyweight champion on TV. You know, he was 230. A former NFL player. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was very difficult. And, two, like down south, you know, uh, luckily amateur wrestling wasn't that big in North Carolina. So, you know, I had seven years uh, of an amateur background behind me to help me out. And so a lot of these guys in there that are big guys, they had never done any kind of amateur at all. So uh, I could grab them and take them down and, and kind of do – you know, handle myself pretty good. It's actually how I became friends with Manny Fernandez. He saw me beat the shit uh, out of this big guy one time. And uh, it was one of Jimmy Valiant's students tried to rough me up, literally said it was a tag match now. Uh, my partner was a big guy. We were the serial thrillers uh, from my Omega days. You know, my partner's, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, you know, and we're talking to him, said, don't worry, you know, Big Mike will get you down. I'll, you know, I'll wait till he gets you down. I'll come in, you know, keep that heat because we're the heels. And he was just like, Look right at my partner. Didn't even say it to me. He's like, I can't sell for little man here. Oh. And I was just like, okay, motherfucker. I was like, you know, and still I was trying to be professional. Like, man, don't worry about it. You know, we we work together all the time. My team, we team together all the time. You know, don't worry, it'll be fine. And so I get in there. He don't want to sell at all. Like Mike gets him down. But because the little guy's in the ring, he's just going to no sell our rakes. Like he's got superhuman eyes, you know, and shit <laughs> like that. And it just got to a point where I had enough. And the next thing you know, I'm beating the damn shit out of him. And, uh, man, that's how. <laughs> then we got to the back. And uh, I was like, you want to you go again? Let's go. And I was over there ready and, you know, fucking locked and loaded. And uh, fucking Manny Fernandez so do you absolutely get any, loved that shit. Do you get any heat for that early in mm-hmm. your career? Or is it all on him? I don't, on him, it was all on him. Because everybody there saw everything. You know, it was, wasn't, wasn't even nothing that could be argued. You know, and, and I just being that me too big, me can't sell fucking shit. It's just so stupid, you know. It's just a stupid concept to have. 
Oh, and um, I would imagine it was even worse before MMA was a thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, really bad. Yeah. I mean, that was just the thing. If you're big, you must be able to fight. You know I mean? He helps the business, but, you know, if you take that shit too seriously, you know, you got some guys believe their own hype. They get they get some big wins in pro wrestling and think they're, like, real fighters in the street and shit. So, case. a lot of pro wrestlers are tough, but I've definitely run across some that are a bunch of bitches. <laughs> what are Shane's thoughts on chair shots to the head? Hate them, especially if I'm getting them. I always put my hand up, man. Uh, Did or at you least see that to- Cody Rhodes spot from Ring of Honor? Hey, that's that's on them. If the guy wants to take it now, that you know, I'm not gonna tell anybody not to do what they want to do. Like if did, I'm in charge of a it? company, if I'm a yeah, I saw it. If I'm a president of a company, I don't know if that's something I want to put out there. But at the same time, you know, if that's what that guy wants to do, that's why he wants to he wants to get bashed in his fucking head with a chair. Make him sign something. You know, it's not what I want in my life, you know. But who am I to say? You know, unless I'm in that authority position, who am I to say don't do it? You know, so, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about, like, Rock beating Mankind's head out, which is, you know, a pretty famous head-bashing incident. I mean, back in those days, man, when when we didn't have quite the sight, I mean, it's common sense now and something everybody should have known that bashing yourself in the fucking head isn't a good idea, you know. But a lot of guys just don't think about it. When you're young and invincible, man, you just don't think about injuries. It never crosses your mind. And if it does, it's a fleeting thought. Like, yeah, man, we'll go ahead and do it, you know. I mean, I used to jump off of everything. You know, they called me in the Omega. I was the insane bump machine because I would go jump off a damn drink machine. I was jumping off 18-wheelers, whatever there was around. I would find it and jump off of it and do whatever, you know. Uh, Jeff Hardy could have that shit. Like, yeah, you, you can have that now. That's all you <laughs> I don't want to do that shit no more. Yeah, that, that chair shot was horrifying. Not on TV or anything. Will there be a wrestling version of the MMAAA? That's a, an MMA Fighters Association, which apparently hasn't went anywhere. Do you think that fighters or wrestlers will ever do an association or a union? Probably not. That's pretty much the answer I expected to get. It might be, Yeah, it might be needed, but I doubt it'll happen. Now, this is a pretty broad question, and we get it more than any other question. The best ribs you, you've seen? Um, which, which it's funny because somebody did it, and they combined the word, the, the word best and ribs was together, and it said best tribs. And I'm like, well, I know that trib is slang for women scissoring. And uh, I'm sure Shane's seen his fair share of that on the days in his WCW days. So you, you can approach that. I, I've, never even, I've never even heard of Tribs. So uh, that's something I, I, I appeared on a show called Trib Live. Justin Labar uh, used to work for the Tribune, Pittsburgh Tribune or something. And he had me on there. And somebody tweeted me and they go, does the tri- does Tribune Live realize what that's slang for? And I urban dictionary it. And I was like, oh, no. Well, that's a new one on me. Uh, I was I was thinking you were going to say the Tribbles or whatever they were from Star Trek. Hey, maybe they had something going on. I never watched Star Trek. They're furry. You never know. Um, I wasn't big into like ribbing people or anything like that. You know, I didn't like fuck with people too much. Nothing like where you would like hide their clothes or 
you know, cut the gear up. Uh, so I, I kind of stayed away from all that. I saw one time, and I know Umaga was involved in it, and I can't remember if he did it or somebody did it to his car. But it was freezing. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we were in Denver or Utah or someplace like that, and they put motor oil all over the guy's windshield. So then it froze. So you had this big sticky-ass layer of frozen motor oil all over the guy's car. Um. I think Ray was in that car. Ray Mysterio was in that car, too. Uh, and then one time, too, uh, we passed Bob Holly. Me, uh, I was driving, and it was with Harold and Kumar, also known as Jimmy Yang and Devar. God. Uh, and so all three of us, and I passed Bob Holly, and uh, it just, you know, whatever, just kind of like not cut him off in the dangerous say just, ha, ha, I've got in front of you. And now Bob just woo, he floors it, man. You can't, I can't even see his headlights. He's so close to the car. I'm like, oh shit! And so I start taking off, and we're going down this highway, and we're just—I mean, I'm going as fast as this damn car would go, and he's right. Like I said, he's right on me because we got the exact same uh, car, same type of car. So they're going to be, you know, similar in speed. And he's back there, you know, he's a professional racer, so he's all calm and collected. Jimmy Yang and Devario over there screaming like fucking Thelma and Louise and the damn cars on fire. And I mean, I, you know, I was trying to act cool, but I was like, holy shit, I can't hit the brakes because he's right there. If I hit the brakes, he's going to hit me. So I got to fucking go. And finally he just like put up his hand and, you know, tapered off a little bit. We slowed down. So I don't know if that constitutes as a rear, but you know, it, it was kind of me fucking around and then him outdoing me. So uh, I, I guess it does fit in that realm of things. Um, but I would hear things about, you know, breaking off toothpicks and guys' car locks on the, oh. you know, the car door and shit like that. But it's mean spirit. You know, a lot of, yeah, yeah. I, I was never all into that stuff, man. Like uh, just being a prick, you know. I put clear I mean, gel I can't in be a prick. I can't be a prick, but I'm generally a prick to my buddies and something we can yeah. laugh about. Not like this, not to be really vindictive to somebody I don't know. I put clear gelatin in a friend's toilet once and then he took a crap in it, not realizing. That worked pretty well. So you went through the effort to make clear gelatin, like you made some jello. It was, it was, it was me and a friend that that plotted it. He had been trying. He had been like, he did some weird stuff to us. Like he cut like right sleeves off of our shirt. I was like, all right, dickhead. We nailed his shoes to the ceiling too, with a nail gun. That was fun. Yeah, it was. I played like the circle game. That's what I would do. You know, that, oh, that's I the, saw that's it. the I saw it. You got me on Facebook a couple weeks ago with that post. Well done. Uh, did you ever go to wrestler's court? Uh, I was never charged with anything. I went to one where charges were levied and I was a witness. Uh, but never anything against me. I was never, uh, you know, I kind of always had good professionalism and locker room etiquette, so I never really got called for anything. The follow-up question was, how was Undertaker during these? He was the boss, you know. Like I said, there was only one I saw that was really bad. Uh, and, like, you know, the girls involved were crying and shit. I was like, man, I got to get the fuck out of here. This is depressing, you know. It's just not me. I don't want to be around sad and depressed people. And you know? I got to – I'm here to be happy. Um, so, yeah, but the, we did one in TNA. I, I want to say we talked about this. Did we not talk about we this on our previous – Yeah, in, in, involving, uh, you know, our dear Grado. Hysterical, yeah. and we're all swore to secrecy and what happened. So we're gonna keep of course. That code, but it was fucking hysterical, and we just had a blast. And those 
wrestler courts can they can be fun and bring the locker room together. And sometimes they use to like police like little dickhead shit. But uh, sometimes it, you know, like I said, I've heard of them getting out of hand, and uh, you know, then it's like, man, I don't want to be around that shit. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's a question that I have. Does your lifetime contract with Inoki still hold up in Japan? I think so. I think it does. <laughs> Would you be able to do Noah if they ask you to? I, I don't know. I might get in trouble. I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> I did a couple of shows for IGF, and that was I can't work for nobody else now. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. So. Interesting. Uh, ho- hopefully now, hopefully as a manager and not as a hurricane, I might get out on a technicality. Yeah. Especially Man. since they hardly ever run. So, I won't drop any names, but I think you you may if if somebody who came into the last tapings may be able to to help you out with that. But uh, I don't want to reveal that person because uh, they haven't appeared on TV yet, and I don't want to do spoilers on this show because it's dickhead stuff. Um, it was discussed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, best <laughs> says. Shane's best talent outside of the ring. Sean's best talent outside of writing podcasting. Uh, kicking up shit on social media, I think, has been a pretty good one for both of us. Oh, man, I'm slaughtering people left and right. Oh, yeah. So that's great. It's great, you know, like a while – you're, While you're out there sucking Obama's night from what I read earlier. Night, yeah, I, night, yeah. What's he yeah. talking about? What is I noticed he talking about? Everybody that all these weird people that come up on a, on my Facebook fit a certain criteria. They can't spell. There's that. Cynic structure is fucking non-existent. They're all they all look unhealthy. There's like no like people that look healthy. They <laughs> so they look, physically and mentally are just fucking shot, and they all love Trump. Nothing like that one today wasn't anything. It was about. You know, I was uh, happy for Sami Zayn out there. Sami Zayn has, is of Arabic descent. You know, I don't, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, and he's he's one of the evil Muslims that isn't fucking evil. He's a good, good, good human being. And it's kind of talking about him, you know. And all I did, I put up a clap, clap, clap. That's I put it. Up the emoji for clapping. Trump supporters talking about, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> like, yeah. I said nothing. I used zero words. If I had a dime for every word I said, I would have no dimes. So, uh, a yeah, good one was, was Sammy needs to stick to wrestling and not talk about stuff he doesn't know about. And I was like, oh, guy. Oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> what, what, 
What, what did he guy, talk about that he didn't what, know about? What would a guy with, of, of immigrant descent know about an immigrant band? Yeah. Uh, it's absurd, man. The whole political climate in this uh, it's weird. country right now is is really bad. Somebody, you know, called, somebody called it fake news. It was an article from ESPN. Yeah, about a person that actually exists. <laughs> not not the Bowling Green Massacre. This is a real person going through real shit. Yeah, it's, well, let it's me crazy. tell you. I live in Kentucky, and the Bowling Green What is it? That one chick is a reptilian. I, I, I do believe that I'm on to something with that. She, she's she's one of the Kelly reptilians. Conway? Yes, and she's confusing illegal aliens with space aliens because of the reptilian war with the greys. Can't be all false, but it's a theory I'm working on. So what would your best talents be outside of the ring other than kicking up shit? Uh, you know, I got a couple of different things. I mean, I'm kind of a renaissance man. I like to do a lot of different shit, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit, I make apps. You know, Really? I was one of the uh, – oh, shit, I was the first wrestler to have his own iPhone app. Hey, we, Jack, one of my ideas. we might get you in touch um, with the boss man, Jimmy Van. He might be interested in that. Uh, you know, our company made a couple financial apps. Um, I mean, I was one of the original podcasters, the pod father they call me in certain circles that I invented. Um, I like doing a lot of different things, man. I like writing. Just wrote an article for sportsillustrated.com. Should be up today, as a matter of fact. But nice. this will come out on Friday, so uh, maybe it'll be. We'll link to it. Earlier. We'll link to it. Um, biggest talent? I don't, I don't know, man. I kind of do everything. I'm a funny motherfucker. Is that a talent, being funny? You're pretty funny. I'll give you credit. <laughs> writing and podcasting is pretty much all I do. Uh, I would say, honestly, being able to see people who maybe don't have the experience that are talented. I think it's maybe a talent of mine, seeing other people's talent. We got Anna Boward, Alex Pawlowski. Uh, I can't say that I had an eye for talent for Shane because I used to listen to his podcast, and I was like, he doesn't have a podcast now. He needs a podcast now. Let's get him on a podcast now. Uh, so, yeah. I think that. Yeah, I got, I got a good talent for coming up with great ideas, but then somebody else will do them better. <laughs> that's hey, kind of the story of my life. I'll come hey, up with a great a market idea. in the world for that. There's, you know, that's. I think it's fine. Least favorite match you've ever had, both of you. Oh wow. Okay, uh, Shane. Least favorite match you've ever had. Uh, I had a match with William Regal in Mexico that was dreadful. Really? And it was uh, yeah, it was dreadful. Um, and I'm, I'm using the word dreadful politely because it was worse than that. <laughs> it, it was you know, pretty much any time I've ever been in the ring, I've always felt like I can make something out of nothing no matter what. And it just, it was one of those matches. I don't know if it was travel fatigue, but he wasn't on his game. I wasn't on my game and it just wasn't working. And I just never really have been in that position, you know. And Regal's also one of my favorite opponents ever. One of my favorite matches in, in my entire career was with Regal in uh, England. Me and Chavo against Regal and Dave Taylor. Uh, so it wasn't really him. It wasn't me. It was just that day, that night, like uh, it was the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter was what we were. And shit really? just fell apart. It's, it's weird to think of you two. Having yeah yeah it happened having like train wreck matches period especially at that point of your career much less with one another 
Yeah, well, too, like it was it was in that ECW part. So he he wasn't like in bumping mode. Like I remember that. Like I remember him saying, "Ah, I don't really take good front bumps these days. Uh, I don't really take good oh, back my. bumps either." And I was going, "Oh no, what the fuck am I going to do?" You know, <laughs> I don't really want don't want to bump either, motherfucker. You know, I had a spinal fusion. You know, yeah. Uh, so was that in your it, head it all the just, time? Like I want to bump as little as possible after the spinal fusion. Oh yeah, that comes with age. No matter what, you start to just sure. you know it just starts. To, it's one of the things too. Why older guys are better sellers, you know, and a lot of the vets don't understand that. They why don't these young guys sell? And I'm like, do you not remember how you used to be? Shit didn't really didn't used to hurt me. You know, I could have the same match today. You know that, and but ten years ago or fifteen years ago, that shit wouldn't have bothered me at all. Today I'm gonna be like, fuck, you know, just it it wear and tear and it gradually builds up. So uh, that happens to everybody, and then you become a better seller because it actually is hurting a it little hurts. bit more. To how to get more out of everything that comes with you know that comes with age and experience that nothing but age and experience teaches that. So I remember Billy Robinson once at a seminar said, "If it really hurts, just really sell it." <laughs> He's like, That's I, I see so much of that today. Things that really hurt, and a guy jumps up, like yeah. it's fine. I'm like, why the fuck? And, but at the same time, I've done it before, so yeah. I try to, I try to come, I try to look at it like that. That's why you know, it's one of my things that helps me as an agent because I'm able to realize that I made these mistakes too. Like I, I did this, I, yeah. I made this mistake. I know where your head's at, but try to look at it like this now, and it'll help. And it's working so far. I can't wait till we do the full show about agenting because I'm very, very interested to see your. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I can't give away all my secrets. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Uh, all my secrets. I would say my worst. I, I put an arm ringer on a guy, and he took a face bump, and I knew I had to get the fuck out of that match. Um, he was real bad, so I, I tagged my my tag team partner in, who's my wrestling coach, and he just pinned him. <laughs> he just pinned him. Yeah. Got it. There Got was, out of there. We had one match as a serial thrillers on the Indies, and uh, we were the babyface that, that night, me and uh, Mike Maverick, and we were these two guys, and they got this kind of like uh, PG-13 hip-hop gimmick. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys I was in there with, you know, we did a spot where I did a roll-through nip-up. He was going to counter. He did a roll-through nip-up, but when he did, he broke his ankle. Oh, he nipped no. up and rolled his – boom. And, like, the follow-up to that spot uh, – was supposed to be that his partner runs in, tries to clothesline me. I duck, and there's my partner, Big Mike, right behind me to clothesline him. Well, when he breaks his ankle, I look at the guy, and I tell him to come in, his partner. So he comes in, throws the clothesline, I duck, and there's Mike. And that guy was just all out of position, and Mike clotheslined him right in his damn chin and knocked him out. So we're a minute and a half, two minutes into this match. One dude's unfucking conscious and the other dude's rolling around screaming with his ankle broke. And me and Mike are just standing in the ring looking around going, all right, what you want to do now? You know that Sometimes would be a good topic for us to. That'd be a good topic for us to talk about on-screen injuries in wrestling and how. Because I mean, you you've seen some shit in your day. Sid mm-hmm. snapped his leg in half, and uh, yeah, no. whoo! I was there for that. I'm, I'm 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 strangely there for everything. I'm like one of the watchers. What is that? What was that TV show? Uh, Fringe. Remember Fringe? The bald-headed guys with the hats that are in the pictures for everything? That's me. I'm in the background for every crazy shit that happens. Oh, man. iOS or Android? Oh, iOS all day. I'm an Android guy. You fucking look like an Android. 
<sighs> Thanks, man. That's nice of you. That's good. That's a compliment, man. You'll live forever. I'll be dead in a couple of years, a couple of weeks. What, what is the worst untrue rumor in wrestling you've heard about yourself? About me? Yeah. Uh, well, hell, I don't know. I used to hear, I mean, it was always you, you just assume everybody hooks up with everybody. I would hear a lot of different stuff about girls I supposedly hooked up with. Because uh, we know and, ain't nobody hooking up with Shane Helms. Uh, a, a lot. I mean, some of them were true, but I would hear some really weird ones. But um, I don't think I ever heard math. anything too bad. I gave it a shot. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't think I ever heard anything too bad about myself. So I, I don't know. I guess I would need some examples. That's true. I'll see if I can dig up some old dirt on you. Maybe that that'd be a good show too, like old rumors about Shane. But you yeah, know, I don't, I don't remember like in in time, like hearing like I, you know, Shane Helms is partying backstage. I don't remember reading a lot of that. No, I always it's, did my stuff at the clubs and the bars. I always kept shit separate from work. You know, I know it's a big rumor about me and Ivory for a long time, and me and Molly uh-huh. as well. But uh, you know, those were two that were just professional. I miss Molly Holly. Mm-hmm. That finish she had, that was, I love that finish. That just like, it was like a front flip senton onto a standing opponent. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. We get this one a lot, obviously. Would you ever return to WWE either as a wrestler or producer agent? Would I? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't things know, I don't wonder- work out in TNA. You, you always look for other work and stuff like that. So if the opportunity presented itself and it was something that's, that would be beneficial, the travel thing would be difficult for me now. Uh, I don't want to be away from my family. You know, I'm, the TNA thing works really well for me because of the uh, travel. So I wonder uh, what people expect you to say. Nah, fuck them. That whole thing about like, you know, working with one company, you can't work for another is really fucking absurd. You know, it's yeah. really crazy. Like, of course, you especially today. Leave. Yeah, like there's a thousand major companies in the world to work for. There's a very select few. So if you leave one, you try to go to another one. That's common sense. You know, uh, we, we, you know, Kurt Angle was TNA not supposed to take him because he left WWE. Imagine if Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, EC3 were like, nah, I can't do this because I work for the other one. Yeah, it's just so, so crazy. Yeah, who gives a shit? Who were your favorite people to travel with in wrestling? Uh, the favorite car ever was me, Coach, and Christian. As far as just fun, what we did, you know, three guys that got along. Coach always wanted to drive. Me and Christian never did. So that was perfect for us. Uh, and Coach would do that too because he knew we were out there bumping. So he would, you know, yeah. he would just, he would, that was, and that was very cool of him, you know. Um, I was about to ask, do you think he did that because of maybe his place in wrestling and he was he was trying to do you a favor and Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean and and we just all got along. We're great friends that stay in touch to this day, you know. Uh before coach it was uh me, Christian and Lance. Lance Storm. We rode together forever. And Lance was kind of the dad. He would always print out maps everywhere. This is like before GPS, so he would, you know, whatever go whatever the fucking map quest thing was and just have all these printouts and Christian, I think was generally in charge of hotels and I would just make them laugh. Like that's really all I would do. And all the cars <laughs> I was in is I would just be in the back and talk shit the whole ride and make everybody laugh. And I would take naps or read books, but 
I was kind of just the entertainment guy. And, uh, you know, uh, the Canadians adopted me a lot. So there was a lot of riding with Edge, a lot of riding with Jericho. Hey, they're paying you for uh, this podcast. There you go. Um, and and, so, yeah, I was, and for I was your TNA job now. And paying for TNA job, so yeah. And Toronto was the first city to chant Hurricane's name, so uh, I never wow. forgot that. Uh, I even rode with Raven for a little while. He didn't want to ride with anybody, but he, uh, you know, uh, we rode together for a little bit. Um, it's very important, you know. Of course, Matt and Jeff, and uh, even Amy uh, for a little while. You know, you got to ride with people that you're close to, that you like being around, and shit like that. So, um, that uh, that worked out good. But me, Coach, and Christian, that was my favorite, and we were the car. That's what we were, and people couldn't be trying to jump in the car to jump in and it lasted like a weekend we tried to help it help that young kid out and then he had to go who was it rhino oh because you know he, i remember like uh somehow whatever it was i needed like two dollars <laughs> for a burger or something you know and when you're riding together one day it's going to be your turn to get the gas and that's how we all did it. you know somebody would get the gas you know this week and somebody would get the gas next week yeah now maybe the trips will be real short this week and they'll be real long next week so it's never going to equal out. Now, you can be those guys that sit there and try to divide every single thing three ways, or you can just go, listen, it's all going to work out eventually. Who gives a shit? This is your turn. And, and so we were all cool about it. So there were probably 100 different points that where one of us owed another one 10 bucks or 20 bucks or fucking 100 bucks. We didn't really care. But I know I owed Rhino like $2. And that motherfucker's like, hey, man, you got that $2? Oh, <laughs> like God. the next day, like – like, no, I ain't got that fucking dude. Like, I was like, are you serious? And uh, he's a sweetheart guy, but he's just, he's a penny pitcher, you know. And you got to be with people that are like mentality. Me, Coach, and Christian, you know, we're not out there squandering our money. But, you know, if I owe you or you owe me $10, more than likely I'll forget it anyway. You know, I know I, I do that shit even to this day all the time. Like, unless it's real money, I don't really, you know, I'm not going to haggle somebody over a couple bucks. But, yeah, so we had to get Rhino out of there. Rhino was super over on SmackDown this week. Like Rhino's always been, he's one of those guys that's always been over, man. No matter where he went, it was always over. They were begging for him this week. Uh, Also very awesome to see the direction that coach's career has taken and how good he is at that. I remember I used to listen to him. He would, I think he would fill in for like SVP or Rosillo on the radio sometimes. And, I had tweeted him a line that he used because, you know, anytime a guy who doesn't have an athletic background talks about football or anything, mm-hmm. they'll be like, stick to this, stick to that. And I was like, you need to tell them that you have had pillow fights in front of more people than these pe- than these quarterbacks have played in front of. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy, man. He knows his shit, too, though. You know what I mean? They're yeah. all people, you know. He's fantastic. And I understand that. I understand that mentality. Like, there's one little guy that talks sports. And he, I haven't seen him in years, so I'm – He's either not there or passed away, but he's a little old guy with, like, little blonde hair and little glasses. He looked like Chicken Little. John Clayton. Like, and no matter what he said, I just, like, I couldn't buy it. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And I knew that was a me. That was a flaw in my character. I was like, I just can't listen to any fucking thing this guy's saying. You know, um, I, I listen to boxing, and you got Roy Jones Jr. over there and commentary. That, yeah. to me, adds something. You know, George Foreman used to be real good in there, just throwing in zingers every now and then. So, yeah, I mean, having credibility definitely helps. But every now and then you'll get somebody like Coach that just really studies their work and puts in the extra time and uh, just believable. That's why I always say, like, 
people ask about getting into commentary, I encourage people who haven't wrestled or fought at a high level. You want a gun to be a play-by-play guy because if they'll always prefer to have a color guy or an analyst be a former fighter, former wrestler, as they should. They can lend like just little things. Like I bring up uh, Elijah Burke, the Pope, during a street mm-hmm. fight. He says, "Well, the reason people don't wear their wrestling gear in a street fight is because they it's expensive. They don't want to tear it up. It's little things like that that add so much to the presentation that." I wouldn't, you know, I would have never known that. So, I mean, that that's, I think that's very, very important to have somebody who's been there in a color role or an analyst role. Your favorite move besides the vertebraker, Shane? Uh, probably the eye of the hurricane, just because it's one of the ones I invented, one of the ones I'm more known for. So, I mean, I invented like 12 or 13. What are some of the other ones you invented? Uh, the airplane spin into the uh, where well, I dropped the guy's face on my knee, which I called a top spin Ooh. face buster. Uh, the floating neck breaker, which everybody and their mama does these yep. days. Uh, I did that. The running in the curry. Um, nobody was doing that. Uh, neck breaker from the top. And that that was a hell of a move. I saw uh, that when I researched your Royal Rumble stuff. I saw you hit like a neck breaker off the top, and I was like, a damn. Yeah, that shit hurts. Have um, you done that one since the neck surgery? I want, yeah, I did it to Paul Burchill in one of our ECW wow. matches. Yeah, yeah, that shit sucks. Um, gut wrench superplex, and I never seen anybody do that. So, yeah, I was real good about trying to. Uh, that way, I was never accused of doing other people's stuff if I had a bunch of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you weren't in the company, now I would do it. You know, like the Shining Wizard. Of course, that was Muda, but I kept the name and I changed up the version of things. And a vertebrae, of course, is the Kudo driver. So, but uh, I always liked inventing my own shit. Who had the creative, better creative mind, Vince Russo or Ed Ferrara? I I don't know. I never really worked with those two guys. Like, how much that I could really uh, have a gauge for that? I mean, um, I mean, Vince Russo is the bigger name. We can definitely say that. But Ed's kind of always been there. So, and I don't really know the scorecard of who came up with what. How about this? Who's the most creative person you've met in wrestling for wrestling? Me? My far? Jesus, of course you would. Of course yeah. you would. Not not even close. Other than that, probably Matt. Matt is uh, yeah. as, as creative as they come. Um, you could argue that two of his gimmicks were probably one and two for best gimmicks of the year last year with Big Money Matt and the Broken Matt. Yeah, so uh, I think me and Matt are up there. And, and you know, people have no idea how much I've helped other people, you know, just come up with other gimmicks, other moves, other sayings, other T-shirts, you know. I, I get I get a great deal of enjoyment. But, like, too, you know, honestly, a lot of this shit that comes to my head, like, I'll just be sitting there and it'll pop in my head. I I don't know where that shit comes from. You know, I don't know if it's a healthy obsession with pro wrestling or an unhealthy one, but, you know, it just – you know, I, I get some really crazy ideas, and if they're not for me, I'll give them to somebody else. Last question for this month's mailbag. Uh, somebody said that they always wanted to know how you prepared your segments as the Hurricane. Did you ever read comics just to develop the Hurricane's persona? <laughs> no. No, the Hurricane was just uh, – I kind of developed the life on its own, the way I spoke, the crazy things I would say, and uh, 
it kind of just developed a life of its own. I mean, I don't know really any superheroes on TV or books that talk like, like I did. So I was just, you know, throwing shit against the wall, see what sticks. And as you as always said, say. it wasn't a superhero. It was a guy who thought he was a superhero. Yeah, so I had to be a little bit more, you know, I didn't want to be totally Batman from campy Batman back in the day, but I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit, you know, make fun of the Clark Kent uh, Superman thing, which is how the Gregory Helms thing came about. Um, but I wanted it to be fun, you know. I mean, I knew it was like this wasn't going to be a gimmick. I knew from day one it was ever going to be this serious gimmick. I wasn't going to be the Dark Knight. You know, there was going to yeah. there's going to have to be some comedy and entertainment to to this thing for it to to work. You know, if I went out there every week taking it too fucking seriously, you know, uh, it, it wouldn't have worked. So what you got going on this weekend, Shane? Anything? You're just going to sit on your ass and stir up shit all, all weekend? So we can well, I need a rest after last weekend because I got to be honest. Boy, I ate a big slice of shit pie on my UFC pick last week. Oh, you did? Five of the six fights on the uh, – Who you got? Let, let's talk about that. Who you got this week because this is a sneaky good card. Wrestling fans who are listening to this and don't know about MMA, they'll be like, well, I don't know any of those people except for Holly Holm and Anderson Silva. Well, this is a – Freaking awesome card. It's a really good card. It is a really good card. I'm going to take Holly Holm and Jacare, I think, are pretty solid picks. Oh, yeah. I'm actually going to look at that line. If Derek Brunson has some kind of crazy underdog mm-hmm. score, it might be something worth for the people out there listening to put just a little chunk of change. Unless Anderson he fights like he did against Robert Whitaker, because that is exactly yes. what Anderson Silva wants. And that's the exact opposite of how to fight Anderson Silva, so I'm hoping. Correct. Hoping that he learns. I'm saying this is a bet that you might could have fun with. Not nothing to put the house on. Not saying that, but this is how you make money in in uh, in betting on fights. You find something that's a big underdog where there is a chance because Anderson Silva's chin has been tested re- recently. You know, in his yes. last couple fights, he's been hurt almost. You know, uh, I don't. I mean, Bisping checked him. You know, of course, Weedman checked him. Weedman not getting the fuck out. And was hurting him even before uh, Anderson broke his leg in the other fight. So, and Brunson's a hard hitting dude. So if that that line is good, that might be something I'll toy with. If it's close at all, then uh, you go with Anderson on that. The uh, Jim Miller fight is interesting. Uh, that one will take a little bit more deliberation. Um, but I think Jacare is the easy pick. I think Holly Holm that, should should win that one. That Miller Poirier fight that's going to be good. That's going to be good. And a lot of people that you know they look at. Anderson Silva's record, and they're like, well, technically he doesn't have a win in five fights. He fought Cormier on like two days' notice, I think six, seven weeks after surgery he yeah. had. And Daniel Cormier slugged it out with him a little bit, and then he's like, well, wait a second, this is Anderson Silva. Let me clinch real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah so. You could argue that he should have beaten Bisping if he wouldn't have clowned around and jumped on top of the cage. He did beat Nick Diaz. He broke his leg in the Weidman fight. Weidman was going to win that second fight anyway. He was he was taking him to school. But that first Weidman fight, Anderson Silva was looking bored in that second round to the mm-hmm. point to where he got caught. So he hasn't been exposed that much. But if Derek Brunson fights like he did against Robert Whitaker, mm-hmm. he's, he's not going to make it out. Um, also on that show, uh, Jermaine Durand to me, I don't think she's nearly active as, as she should be, but she is so underrated. Cyborg wants no part to this woman. Cyborg has turned down two or three fights with this woman. Um, 
Much different style than Holly Holm. That's going to tell a story. Also, an underrated fight. Jared Cannonier, an up-and-coming So who are you picking? I'm picking Duran to me. I'm picking Silva, okay. Jacare. Okay. I'm picking Poirier. And I'm going to go with an upset. I'm going to go with Jared Cannonier over Glover Teixeira. But, you know, that's just because Glover Teixeira, the type of knockout he experienced against Rebel Johnson, that might be one of those change-your-life knockouts. I, I thought about that, but uh, I think I think he'll come back. I think uh, Glover will take that one. He's certainly capable of it. I mean, he's he's that top level, but that UFC light heavyweight division, as I said to Showdown Joe this week, we are one Daniel Cormier knee injury away from having Shogun Hua fighting for an interim title. That one, that last, that last, the one that got me last week was. I mean, the, the two short notice fights. One guy was outweighed by almost 50 pounds and knocked his opponent out. Like, that is crazy yep. as hell. Um, you know, the OSP one, you know, I was talking with my, uh, I was texting back and forth with Conan, Disco, and KG from keeping it 100. And uh, and I was like, I said, I said, I got no confidence in OSP. I said, I picked him, but I got no confidence. That's the least confident pick I had. He He's still living off the hype of the Shogun fight. He's just one of those guys that doesn't seem like he has a killer instinct and seems bored in there sometimes. He's just like he's sparring. He's just going through the motions. And I was like, man, go out there and beat this guy's ass. He, like if MMA was a work, OSP would be a champ. Yeah. Because physically, looks amazing. But, you know, same thing with Arlovsky. You know, if, if MMA was a work, Arlovsky would have had about a two-year run as the UFC champ. John uh, especially Jones. back in the day. John Jones had a great breakdown of Ovin St. Prue. He said that you know people were like, why didn't you finish this guy? He's not on your level. He's, he's not somebody that should have went five rounds with you. And John Jones said that out of everybody he's faced, Ovin St. Prue was one of the hardest to scout because not even OSP knows what he's going to do next. Yeah, He's so raw and green yeah. that he could find tendencies but at this in point, Daniel Cormier. He be raw and green. How can he be this green with that many fights under his belt? Yeah. It's such a weird, it's such a weird cat. Also underrated on the show, Ian McCall, really the the guy that's become or came the closest to beating Demetrius Johnson at flyweight. He's finally supposed to fight this Saturday at two oh eight. He has had four or five straight fights canceled in the, like the last six months. Uh, also, Wilson Hayes, who with a win very well could challenge Demetrius Johnson. He was once scheduled to face him. Uh, he could be right there with Demetrius Johnson in a title fight if he wins. Nick Lentz, who, if you remember, Shane, was a guy that people once said Conor McGregor was afraid to fight. Mm-hmm. If you believe that, he's on the card. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I'm really excited for it. we got a podcast right after. Uh, Shane, tell the people before we go about some of your projects. Uh, every Thursday night, check out me and my protege, Trevor Lee, new X Division champion on Impact Wrestling. That's Thursday nights, 8 p.m. on Pop TV. Other than that, social media, I'm at ShaneHelms.com, and that's universal on every platform. Uh, you can catch me here every week. You can also catch me on Keeping It 100 with Conan, and I am one podcasting motherfucker. You are. Guys, if you want early access to this show and that Matt Riddle show, register for free at Fightful.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up. Leave us any feedback. Five-star review on iTunes. That stuff's nice. That stuff's nice. Uh, I am back. I don't know. This drops Friday, so I'll be back for Elimination Chamber Sunday, UFC 208 Saturday. 
we got podcasts every damn day, guys. Uh, until next time, send in those questions. I'll keep them. We'll ask them uh, once a month. We'll do mailbag episodes. That way you all can get your shit in. Get your shit in, kids. Shane, I want to thank you for being such a good hand on this podcast. Hey, man, I do what I can. I do what I can. Hashtag good hand. Thanks, guys. Catch you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.